Hearts. Welcome to the Normalizing Average Podcast. Join us as we dive into the stories behind the people who have overcome setbacks to achieve success, celebrating the average moments on the path to extraordinary results. Let's go. Hey guys, this is Eve. We are back with the Normalizing Average Podcast, and it is my pleasure to bring to the show one of our most excellent coffee shops in Revelstoke and an amazing duo. We have John and Lauren from Dose uh, from right here, Revelstoke, BC. And our bio is after living out their dream of exploring Canada's West Coast, John and Lauren wanted more. They wanted to make a home in Revelstoke Mountains, but not just a house. Um, It meant immersing themselves in the community. Originally from sunny Australia, coffee coffee loving shores of Australia, John and Lauren quickly embraced the idea of opening up a coffee shop one that looked, tasted, and smelled like home. Back in 2016, Dose started as a genuinely heartfelt community effort. Friends helped build it, neighbors donated tables and chairs, and it's a product of our community, of a community who came together to give it life, which is, reading that was a big part of why I wanted to chat with you guys about the show, because it's so palatable, seeing what you've built over the years, and seeing this awesome community that you've developed that I think is, is both hard to do and really unique. Um, now the chairs match, the kitchen has expanded, but the coffee and vibes have not changed a bit. And I'd like to welcome John and Lauren from Dose. Hey guys. Hi, thanks for having us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So why don't you guys kick us off with just telling us your story? How did the, whether you want to go with your partnership and how you came to be and came to Revelstoke and then came to start a coffee shop? Mm -hmm. You're the best storyteller. (laughs) (laughs) so I guess just quickly like a bit of background information um about Lauren and myself and our history is I'm not originally from the coast I'm from the snowy mountains of Australia big farmland I grew up like bull riding um and really close to the snow but not ever within kind of like a our it wasn't obtainable for us financially as a family or anything like that Mm -hmm. so it was one of my big dreams to always come over here and throughout that process leaving there I moved to the coast and that's where Lauren and I met shortly after me moving up there we had a really yeah obviously a great amazing relationship from the start um Lauren can actually take over here. <laughs> yeah, so we, we met, um, I was working in a retail store um, on Hastings Street, which is kind of like this bustling little, like beautiful utopia in one in a town called uh, Noosa Heads, which is just on the beach. And it's pretty amazing. Um, so it's but yeah, just like BC's Hastings Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly the same. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was... Um, I worked at Ed Hardy, which was um, a pretty on-trend brand back then, kind of cringeworthy now. Um, But yeah, I was the manager at Ed Hardy and John worked at a cute little cocktail bar across the street. And um, one of my best friends sort of played matchmaker and and got us together, um, which took a little while, but we got there in the end. We'd both kind of just been through um, breakups and were the cliche like, oh, we're not ready to meet anyone at this time, but it just worked out Mm -hmm. um but yeah we we putted around the sunshine coast for a little bit we went and did two snow seasons one in jindabyne 
um, which is like Parish at Threadbow area, and then one at Falls Creek. And then John kind of just patiently waited till I finished my uni degree. And um, once we got that out of the way, we basically applied for our visa to come to Canada and um, yeah, moved over in January, 2014. And so why Canada? Um, we had a couple of friends who were in Revelstoke already. So it seemed like kind of an easy choice. It's easy to get a visa to come over here. It's an English speaking country. Mm -hmm. uh, and we kind of just figured it was like a good gateway. Like our plan was to come over, um, do a snow season and then spend our summers traveling. So it's a good gateway to South America, America, like lots of places that were on our list along with Canada, obviously we wanted to explore Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so far it's been basically we've explored BC. <laughs> <laughs> set eight years or something like that. So it's just that yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it's that good. We, <laughs> so yeah, we've been together for about um we're not exactly sure when we officially started dating, but about 12 years or something along cool. those lines. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, so we came over and Revy was um just an easy choice because we had a couple of friends. One of them was an old school friend of John's so they go way back. He was already here. Um, so accommodation was kind of easy. We had connections on the ground and everything like that. And um, as me growing up, like close to the snow and always wanting to be a part of that, that was a big driving force to trying to find out <clears throat> where the best place would be to, to come to, to actually go skiing or snowboarding. We just knew that there was two places that we didn't really want to end up. And one was Banff and the other one was Whistler. Yeah. And, uh, so this seemed like a, a really, really attractive place for us at that time. And we definitely thought we were going to be here for the, the two, years. two years and then be on our way, but life had different plans for us. So pretty glad that we just like let it all fall into place as it did. But mm -hmm. from there started, we got here. Jobs were a little bit different and harder to get back in 2014, I feel. Mm -hmm. like there wasn't as many uh there was email addresses but maybe not so many active email addresses that people would get back to you mm -hmm. so we kind of scrimped and scraped scraped for uh jobs at that at that coming over december january kind of time was not the best uh so i ended up but we made like a good connection like we ended up working for the resort for a couple of years um john was like a sandwich maker sandwich guy at revelation lodge and i was worked on we called it coffee island yeah um, so yeah it, and that worked out we were there for two and a half seasons like that that half season and then we went back two consecutive years after that mm -hmm. and it was a great way to like meet people um it was a good foot in the door like you get your seasons pass and everything like that like i still recommend people to this day when they come to town and and looking for work like it's a great job up there at the resort and it, yeah, it gives you a way to meet a lot of people very quickly. So that was pretty cool. And especially just being like a part of that. It's a different organism uh, somewhere living up there and then living mm -hmm. it like in a, in maybe not a downtown core. I feel like you have to do your time in one of the five boroughs of Revelstoke, whether it be like over in Big Eddie, Columbia Park or up at Johnson Heights. So yeah, we, uh, we lived in Cracklats worked up at the resort and 
it was it was a time it, it was, was really it was really cool actually learning that side of what Revelstoke had to offer and then after our two years were up we kind of decided that we should stay in Revelstoke for um for the remaining six months of our visa mm. as it'd been so kind to us in the past so we thought we should give it a chance in the summer mm. most of our friends would just take off in the summer our first summer we used to do a lot of festivals <clears throat> i've always wanted to go to burning man a few arts festivals like that so we got those under our belt in the first year then our second summer we decided to go tree planting mm-hmm. kind of pay it forward to canada and that was a cool experience as well made some lifelong friends obviously out of that and then the third one we're just going to chill see out the rest of our visa and kind of take off mm-hmm. um with that being said, we kind of really discovered how beautiful Revelstoke was, and a lot of the lot of the secrets that locals would hold like a little bit closer to their heart. And until you were a, a four season kind of a, play, a person in town or a bit more of a local, you kind of uh, you'd get shown these little spots, which was mm. which was really cool. And then also moving down into down downtown and working in um, establishments. Mm-hmm. downtown gave us a real good understanding of the community that we hadn't really got to be a part of working up at the ski hill as well mm-hmm. so it was a good uh marriage of the two of the two worlds coming together mm-hmm. and yeah when we first came over here john was like straight away he was hooked on the canadian dream and he kind of saw himself like living here a little bit more longer term but i was definitely more of a like let's stay for two years and then get home to our family and go about like i just finished my degree before we came over here so i was excited to get back there and um go and utilize that but um i think for me the turning point was just when we stayed here for the summer and um yeah it just it felt like a home it felt like somewhere i could see myself for the foreseeable future so at that point, I think we decided to like quickly figure out how we could stay that little bit longer. And at this point, it was just going to be a couple of years. But um, we, yeah, we just kind of started throwing some ideas around. And I think it was just like, it was just the perfect summer. Like it was so nice. The weather was beautiful. Like town just felt like, I don't know, homey. And so we were like, oh, let's like, let's look at ways to, to stay here without like kind of just keep serving or like bartending or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So we thought we'd give it a crack and um, like do a like mobile coffee cart or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, Just kind of something temporary, but as we kind of kept progressing and like digging a little deeper and researching, it was seemed to be that like everything was pointing us towards like more of a um, permanent location. And yeah. So that's what I'd say. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> big time. Like, there's a lot of things I look back at and I'm like, wow, I can't believe we did it that way. Yeah. But yeah, we had We this... didn't have much to lose either. Like it was, to us, it was just like the 20 grand in our bank account. Like who cares? Like we, if we fuck it up that badly, like, you know, we'll just start again. We're, we're reasonably young and we'll just go home and, and figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. had a short amount of time and like a really small budget as well. So we're just going to see if it, risk it for a biscuit and see if it works yeah it's mm-hmm. interesting as i'll just touch on the i also found that rebel stoke really my first we came same thing came for skiing and mm-hmm. then stayed for summer and then i found out like oh this is what this community is really like it really comes alive in the summer because everybody's out and about it's yeah. light for most 
most of the 24 hours it's got to yeah. be light for like 19 of them yeah and people are just out and they're biking and skating and there's just the dirt biking and it's really just yeah feels like you get a real really sense of who the what the community really is and then you find mm -hmm. those secret spots because there's more of these hikes and lookouts and mm -hmm. cool stuff that just happens in the summer mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily get to experience in the winter like they're yeah. both both epic but yeah totally. and the community really comes alive yeah then, for sure even like in, a, in the winter we barely see our neighbors you know they mm. they're always out in their garden in the summer and we constantly just chatting over the fence about random shit but in the winter it's like I miss them we don't really see them too much um big time we're all kind of just homebodies in the winter yeah yeah everybody goes into yeah hibernation totally <laughs> you guys had mentioned <laughs> uh and I'm curious to know you had mentioned the Canadian dream coming from mm. Australia what does that mean for you oh well I think um I don't know for John for me it kind of just meant like snowboarding yeah and it's a different attitude over here as well it's a different outlook a little bit on life like I think everyone gets that outlook once they reach a certain stage but like it seemed like to me in Canada that everyone's very supportive if you're gonna if you're gonna try something and uh you're cool to do whatever you want and they'll like you'll be supported as as long as you're not a dick yeah and, honestly <laughs> it was like it was really really cool so yeah I liked uh people's attitudes outlook over here and me being originally from the mountains I'm like pretty I'm pretty yeah I I like the mountains I like yeah this the smell of the forest and everything like that so it was very it was very homely like I wish nothing else like I moved out when I was 15 I got far away from home like I really wished to never ever live in a town like that again. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite ironic that I moved across the other side of the world and found a town on a larger scale, but very, very similar to the dynamics that I was like, I was brought up in a town like mm -hmm. this. So mm -hmm. it was, it, yeah. It's kind of like your natural habitat, but without the kind of like childhood stuff that you didn't really want to yeah, exactly. be yeah. around. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It still felt like home here. It wasn't the town as much as it was yeah everything else that came with yeah it. yeah totally. I think yeah you've got to be a certain person to be from the ocean unfortunately as much as I've like yeah I've dabbled in surfing and everything like that but like any of my friends that have come over here who grew up by the ocean they have a time limit they have an itch where they just have to get back by the ocean mm -hmm. so I understand that and I feel like it's kind of the same for me with the mountains in yeah. a sense mm -hmm. Totally. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then so 2016, mm -hmm. you guys start up the business. So did it start started as a mobile coffee shop or a mobile no. coffee? No, we, cart? we kind of we bypassed that. Like, yeah, we were working at the beer house at the time and we kind of chatted to Trevor about he's got this shed out the back of the beer house, um, in the back alleyway. And that was like one of our first ideas was to turn that into like a back alley coffee joint kind of thing. But we couldn't mm -hmm. wrap our heads around how on earth like a, we weren't going to freeze to death in the winter because it wasn't really like built for that. <laughs> and B, like how people, like, yeah. How are we going to attract people? Anyway, yeah, like ignorance is We were totally like, no option was off limits. Like we were just like, really like, as John said, ignorance is bliss. Like we were pretty headstrong um, and we we're going to make it work one way or another. Um, but yeah, and then another idea was to do it in the beer house, kind of like 
um, by day and then beer house by night. But we couldn't, mm -hmm. again, quite wrap our heads around how we would like make that place our own during the day and then turn it into the beer house at night. So it was just mm -hmm. like going through all these options. And then Joe Lamb is actually one of our local real estate agents. Joe Lammers, the boss. legend. <laughs> he, um, he was like, oh, um, and at the time, Lisa, I can't remember her last name. She had um, that art gallery sort of wine bar situation happening where Dose is now. Yeah. And um, he was like, oh, she's kind of keen to like sublet during the day. So if you guys want, I can introduce you and you can have a chat. So we did, again, like had a chat to Lisa, but we just couldn't imagine again we had a pretty strong idea in our heads based on like what we kind of grew up with in Australia of how we wanted this coffee shop to look how we wanted it to feel and again we're just like no I don't think like we can operate under someone else's roof like we just want that full creative control freedom and stuff like that so we it's... we turned that down I think and yeah. then a couple of weeks later she decided that she had another idea that she wanted to pursue and if we wanted to take that space over completely take over the lease then it was ours yeah. so that's that's how we ended up there so yeah it quickly went from very temporary mobile solution to like okay crap we've got this space um and then it just kind of evolved from there sorry I cut you off that's all right I forgot what I was going okay. to say <laughs> yeah um, so one thing yeah I wanted, wanted to ask you guys um because there was like, when you guys opened, there was no shortage of coffee shops in Revelstoke, mm -hmm. but you saw something that was missing in the marketplace. And like, mm -hmm. admittedly, I didn't see it. And probably like a couple other business owners or like people who run businesses, start businesses before walk by and they're like, a coffee shop, like, I don't know guys, but yeah. you, I've just been so impressed with just how much you nailed it and <laughs> arguably became like, so you took a lot of business from a lot of other places, but, and also at the same time created this whole thing that was missing mm -hmm. in our marketplace mm -hmm. and like completely nailed your market. But, um, yeah, why, like, how did you get across taking? Cause there's a risk element there. Yeah. You're like, okay. Is this going to fly? Or is it like the people who go to the modern, go to the modern, the people who go to conversations, go to conversations. I bet it's got their thing. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you get past the, the risk element? It's definitely, I mean, it's, we wanted to create a community. Mm -hmm. And just like we touched on at the very start, yeah. that was missing within that. Like they all had their own separate little kind of communities, definitely. But uh, I think it was like, yeah, I think just where we're from, like, I don't know, there was, mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I said to John, like, hey, John, I'm, like, I can live here if this is what you want, like long-term, but we need good coffee and like we need somewhere like not that <laughs> yeah yeah but we need good coffee and we need a place that feels like home in terms of a coffee shop like that was just a morning ritual for me um on my commute to work like I used to drive 40 minutes to work and I'd stop by bean drop every morning in Noosa and get a coffee and it's just like it's a real I don't know it's hard to explain it's like um I just knew that there was like we needed that place that I used to have back home in Revelstoke. Yeah, um, you saw I think it, it, like you could like, see that it was missing. You're like, hey, yeah, exactly. here's the marketplace, but I can see there's a need in this marketplace and here's mm -hmm. a whole community that yeah. is not being yeah. served. Yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it. I don't know, I guess, yeah, just growing up with it. Like I just knew there was like, that it had its place here as well. 
um and but also just like total like ignorance as well um and just like willing to to risk it all and give it a shot and and see how it goes um yeah the last boss I actually had he popped in I hadn't seen him in the first like the last five years and mm -hmm. he popped past a coffee shop the other day and it was really cool to see him but he's like I'm glad you guys made this <laughs> he's like it takes a certain type of crazy to be an entrepreneur. I don't even want to put us in that kind of category or anything, but he's like, you guys had it. You also had a lot of ignorance, but I was really hoping it did, did work for you. And it, it has, and it's really hard to put it down to like one thing that we've seen in the market that was missing to be able to, to like, to make it work. But I think a big one like for me personally was I couldn't envision moving into a town or a community and not playing a role in any way or sense. So it was a big thing of us wanting mm. to contribute what we had from our heritage or our background to be able to showcase that we could kind of mm. be a contributing factor of the community as yeah. well. And I think also like a big thing that we try and focus on and um, we always bring up with our staff um, and, and it's so simple, but it so often gets overlooked or just hospitality in general just doesn't quite nail it. And it's it's about not just the product, not just the service and not just the atmosphere, but all three of those together. And I think you so often walk into a place and um, have the most incredible breakfast, but the server was kind of, eh, or, you know, whatever. Um, or the music is just off or there's no music or anything like that. So we always kind of strive to like hit all three of those things I'm not saying we're perfect we definitely don't get it every time um but yeah just like there's a certain level of quality when it comes to hospitality in Australia I think that's something that Australians do really really well and um makes us proud to be Australian um so I think like bringing that from which is just so ingrained in us from working in hospitality back home John more so but mm. um there's certainly definitely a certain quality and a certain standard that Australians bring to the hospitality industry. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's almost like a good, like business trifecta takeaway from yeah. you guys, because a lot of, a lot of people in the hospitality industry miss, yeah. miss one of those things. And sometimes it baffles me. I'm like, you have a great <laughs> service, great product, but I'm like, I don't enjoy literally be, yeah. being in here. Yeah. You know, no, exactly. in one in one location another location fantastic atmosphere terrible service and yeah. okay you know so it's yeah really understanding which i think is yeah something brilliant whether you guys did that like very purposely from the start that you just knew mm -hmm. and that was came from your backgrounds and came from your culture knowing what was important but mm -hmm. that's obviously been a huge key for your success yeah mm -hmm. that and yeah like just trading pick doing your best in anything that you try and yeah. being honest and just treating people the way that you'd like to be treated as well. So a big thing that we really focused on as well. And it was hard, like at the very start, it had people walking past and just get all the stuff like we'd all wave to people, even <laughs> just to try and like gain any kind of attraction that because people would walk past. You'd have people coming in asking for a coffee but at that time, we didn't have enough money to have filtered coffee and espresso. We focused on espresso. And we'd have people that just turn around and walk walk out. So it was very disheartening. And it is, it is a big space to walk into and a big open space. I always wanted to make 
it feel like a living room or anybody's own home. Everyone feels comfortable in it. So yeah, we'd always be shouting out hello to people as they walked in. So it, it wasn't walking into this big daunting space and feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We've always really tried to push like equality there and just mm-hmm. not even on all the senses that shit has gone with in the world today. Like it's just crazy, but yeah, we just, we, we push equality because we actually believe in it, not because it's a trending thing by any means. Yeah. And I think like definitely a huge shout out, obviously would have to go to all the people that helped us in that first hurdle of actually getting the doors open. Um, like one of our best friends, Ivan, who's now gone back home, he showed up to Canada and um, obviously he was like one of our first staff um, and he stuck with us for a couple of years, but like people were, we were in there for like 20 hours a day, like, sanding pallet wood that we you know got from the dump and stuff like that um one of our friends stan who owns a bakery um in western australia um and is friends with a lot of local guys like catlin and stuff like that he would come over every winter so um for a couple of months just to ski but he was in there every night giving us advice and tips and um yeah like we had probably like 15 people show up every day offering to help in the lead up to it um and it was really amazing and sometimes really overwhelming we just like because we didn't have the mental headspace to even be able to like delegate or like tell people what to do um but it was all those people that really helped us get over the line and open by the end of January I think it took us about three months in the end to renovate and I was away for one of those months I went back to Australia (laughs) so (laughs) So, like the fact like I'm pretty impressed by that because we just closed for another renovation like a year and a half ago I mean, a year and a half ago. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah. Time flies. But like even that took us, like we were like, oh, two weeks. But that took a month and we had plumbers, we had electricians. We actually had real people helping us, not just like us trying to figure it out, you know, like Bob Dixon, what a legend. Yeah. Um, so like real people helping us. Um, so yeah, the fact that we managed to get it open was really like largely due in part to all these volunteers that would just show up every day. And then they became our customers and they supported us every day. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What do you think was the hardest part about the process of getting open and building, um, building, was it building it out? Was it like permitting? Um, or, probably yeah. building, I would say, really. Yeah, permitting seemed to be a pretty cool thing then. Yeah. We yeah. pushed and pushed and it's like, just put brown paper up, <laughs> just put paper up in the windows. I'm like, oh, I get it. Cool. I see. Yeah. So... <laughs> And yeah, honestly, again, ignorance and we're very cowboy about the way that we went about a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. permits at that stage wasn't a problem because we're just doing renovations. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, the hardest part about getting, we we did a lot of silly things. Um, We sanded the entire roof. I think that was probably like one of the hardest things about like, Mm -hmm. that wasn't a hard thing. We just did Hardest thing about getting open was worrying about what other people might think and if you had everything in place Mm. rather than just believing in yourself and opening the doors. Like there was probably the last week was faffing and making sure that we might have this ready or we might have that and nothing's ever going to be perfect. You've just got to open the doors and let the first customer in. It's just like Mm. learning. You don't gain that experience if you don't try. Yeah, I think letting go of perfection a little bit and... um just that last like push when you're kind of sleep deprived and like just strung out, stressed, 
um, and just like the fear of not knowing, um, just pushing through that, those final hurdles. And then, yeah, obviously cash flow as well, like towards the end, um, like everything just blows out. And like, we didn't have a line of credit, like we couldn't get a credit card until we'd been open for about three years. No um, way. We didn't have, yeah. Like anything, you know what I mean? So shout out to our family who helped us like, you know, like give us some cash towards the end to get through. But then it was just like a matter of getting open so we could get some cash coming in so we could make our first payroll work and like actually have money in the bank to pay our staff after the first fortnight or whatever. So yeah, I think, it all just kind of boiled down to like um, mainly just like the mental struggles, I think, and just pushing through those to get open mm -hmm. was probably some of the most challenging and just the building, like it can make you just feel so stupid when you're like, how do we like make, how do we build a bar or like, how do we do it? We have no idea. So like there was so much timber in that bar, so much unnecessary timber that didn't need to be there. But we just like, <laughs> couldn't fathom how to make it work but yeah so just trying to build or do something that you're so unequipped for when you're kind of a little bit stressed and tired and everything like that was probably one of the most challenging parts for yeah. me anyway mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah it's all these emotional hurdles it's like and you're probably are also just exhausted in general from mm -hmm. building built for months yeah but it's the hurdles of okay here we go like we did it yeah for sure just getting the doors open now, let's and just go. like yeah and like John said just you can only yeah just having the best product that you can like it's not going to be perfect like you maybe wanted to or how you envision but just delivering the best product you can with what you have what with your means I think is like such a key thing to do and not wait until it's perfect because it will probably never be perfect yeah mm. yeah. yeah I find people including us you push and push and push and you forget to look after yourself. Yep. And then that plays a huge role. You can like, you need to give yourself rest and fuel to be able to commit to accomplishing anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The amount of times I'd push it for so long. And then I'm not proud of this, but I'd get to the A&W drive-through and they were closed and then I'd cry because we had no food. <laughs> and yeah. It's just like this ongoing saga that, could be really easily avoidable if you just thought a little bit clearly in those stages as well so mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah but it can be hard when you're yeah so deep in the trenches you know? yeah 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 you when you're really, in it yeah and I think everyone kind of does that once and we'll probably do it again <laughs> <laughs> but what other yeah. kind of growing pains did you guys have as you as you as you evolved hmm well, I mean, everyone's kind of had their staffing, you know, as you grow, you need more staff. Um, I think just like for us, one of the biggest challenges has just been that building and the space that we're in not really being big enough. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So for us, that's been a bit of a struggle um, just to find space for everything, <laughs> staff, customers, product, everything like that. Like it's a little bit um, challenging definitely but we love that location and we love being downtown and the frontage that we have it's incredible but that's definitely been a bit of a struggle for sure um, and then I think just like keeping on top of the books and everything like that um, there was definitely a period where we kind of let it go um, 
and didn't really have a bookkeeper for a while um, and just not keeping on top of, um, yeah, our profit and loss for a while. But, um, but yeah, now that's all taken care of and not that it ever went bad, but it's just something that yeah. definitely always keep on top of the books. Um, it's hard. <laughs> if you don't have enough manpower to deal with the physical yeah. and the, the back of house stuff, then you're mm-hmm. just like, there's a lot of balls in the air at one time and you've just got to do with what you can. And again, it comes back to that. Like some of the growing pains were not having everything available that customers wanted. And that was a really disheartening thing if we couldn't provide what they wanted, mm-hmm. but also a good learning curve of just like, do what you do and do it well. Like yeah. we don't have the means, like we didn't have a working oven for the first three years of our opening. Like that was a huge thing. So we didn't have enough, yeah, we we didn't have a working oven. We had some working hobs and that was it. Like our first working oven was one of our regulars who used to come in lane, who used to open the, he used to own the modern back in the day. Yeah. Before it was a modern, that's it when was, it was. Was Wolf, was Wolf, Wolfie used to be where the modern is or something like that? Yeah. Oh, anyway, no, he was like an yeah, old. Way, way it's back. before, yeah, it's like a little, <laughs> amazing. He brought in a little convection oven. Yeah. And that was just for us to even start making muffins. With yeah, he just wanted muffins. Thing. He was like, can you guys please just start making muffins? <laughs> no more excuses. And I was like, okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I think it was scaling up as well, like going from our, um, so we used to make hummus in like a two cup KitchenAid um, food processor when we first opened. Yeah. And now we have like a Hobart mixer that does like, I don't know how many liters of, product but just scaling up from this little $20 thing that we could afford from home hardware to then like the next one was a Breville which is now at home because we cheaped out and we bought like another home food processor that lasted like four weeks in there before it got destroyed yeah um and then we scaled up to a RoboCoop and now we're yeah so just like scaling up so that we could make more and not be made constantly like we basically made hummus all day every we'd day. have a staff member just like <laughs> being, <laughs> just making hummus. it was crazy until we're like we could just buy a bigger piece of equipment we could have bought yeah. hummus for cheaper than what we're doing it at but yeah 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 i like the idea too made. of like really bootstrapping it so it's like some people would go like massively into debt and not mm-hmm. saying that you guys didn't, but massively into debt to get like everything that they're going to need in 10 years from now, you know, to build out this insane, whether it's like a kitchen or restaurant or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But I really like the idea that you guys, you're like, okay, this is what's going to work right now. And also the that might've helped too, to be like, okay, we got to just get the doors open. Yeah. yeah. Build this out. We're going to do what's necessary. We're going to build the space mm-hmm. and we're going to do the things that really matter to us. Most yeah. like, get the good coffee, get the espresso going, get like, you know, mm-hmm. We're making the investments it. where it really, really made an impact as opposed to it's like, is this really going to matter right now? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we, yeah, I think to anyone else like looking, and we've had a few people come up to us, like young, young people being like, oh, we, we'd love to do this. Like you can do it. Like don't let money be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously you do need some finances for sure, but I mean, you can you can do it with next to nothing as long as you you have the essentials and a little bit spare. But yeah. Um, yeah, even just looking now into like we're going to start roasting this year, and it's so weird to come into it and be like kind of doing what you said, like 
planning for the future and having like the right equipment from the get-go like it feels so bizarre to us like, whoa <laughs> do we really need to spend all this money we could just go really ghetto like those but <laughs> yeah yeah I think we were very lucky in the time that Rebel Stoke was was at as well like Darcy a local dude whom yeah everyone knows one of the smartest things or intellectual things he said to us he's like do you surf man I'm like, yeah, Darcy. He's just like, you caught the wave at the right time. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, we were really lucky. We had like a lot of people who we met and looked up to in town. Like I heard the stories of Scott and the hot dog car. There was Sarah from <laughs> Merchant Lace, the guys at the taco club, you know, like mm-hmm. there was all these, all these really inspiring stories that gave us the will and belief to be like yeah it's achievable mm-hmm. and it was really cool we lent on a lot of different people for advice and it's cool to have that come back around now and we've been giving some advice to people mm-hmm. but uh but yeah it definitely feels like uh we're a little bit spoiled this time when we're purchasing new equipment and mm-hmm. the right right size equipment rather than just yeah growing with what we had at that time as well mm-hmm. And that was a big thing. Like we took everything out of our home to make that place feel like a living room. Like yeah. there was no musket boards in the world. Like everything was in that place, all our speakers and everything. So I think I almost lost a big part of myself in that whole process because we put our heart and soul into it. And then I went through a crazy period of like almost a year of not knowing who I was or, or, or where I was meant to, like, it was, it was just a bit of a, it was a bit of a redefining or finding myself moment. Once I'd given so much of myself away to something else, I was like, am I dose now or am I John? I didn't, I didn't know. It was a hard, it was a hard one to work out. Yeah. Tell me if you can more about that like what did that was it because and was it partially because there was so much of you in this space that it was there wasn't as much left yeah outside of the space yeah I think both like physically and mentally Mm -hmm. especially for the first like three years like if we'd take a day off it would be to like go to the hot springs and to soak our bodies just to try and get like some kind of reprieve but yeah I think uh, physically, like our entire home was in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, financially, everything was in there mm-hmm. and emotionally as well. Like I kind of thought I knew a little bit about people and people management. Yeah. And it was a it was quite a rude shock to realize how to how to encourage and support and get the and work with your team. Mm-hmm. And we cared so much, like the two most valuable parts of DOS that make DOS work is our staff and our customers. Mm-hmm. So actually being there for them in in such a, in a, in a big way, I felt started to, to weigh on me a little bit. And then a big thing of saying hello to everyone in there, knowing them by name, knowing them as a person, that actually, it didn't wear on me whatsoever, mm-hmm. but what would wear on me is if I couldn't remember that person's name or their interests or anything like that at that point, that would kind of weigh on me a little bit heavy. I'm like, oh, 
I wanted to be a part of this community and now I can't remember that person's name out of that community. So it was it was a double-edged sword in that respect as well. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. Yeah, you give everything and including mm -hmm. including your relationship. So it's yeah. your relationship also would have become mm -hmm. for a period of time at least about the biz the business, about dose. So it's like, okay. Mm -hmm our relationship built dose, our relationship right now, or for periods of time is focused on that. Yeah, It's focused on you're giving to your staff, you're giving to your community, you're creating this community, you're giving mm -hmm. your literal physical possessions yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all of your money, which also is like, that's your security, <laughs> you know? So it is what's left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think, I think we've just gotten used to it and I would never change anything for mm -hmm. The world but I think your life just does change while you um while you own a business no matter how far down the road you are yeah um yeah and even at this stage like you think you know a little bit more about it but even starting the roastery and everything we're still facing a lot of the same questions that we would have had when we were starting those with no business experience mm -hmm. but I think the relationship one is a and two things mm -hmm possessions physically actually helped me in uh separation of any kind of physical things because when I'd see a kid destroying like a toy from the 1980s that was very dear to me I'm like it's okay John it's just a it's just a physical thing just let it go so that was a really cool lesson as well but then like you were saying uh our relationship uh it was really hard to I wouldn't say we kind of had to almost not put that down, but that definitely fell by the wayside mm -hmm. in regards to those came first, our staff came first. And that was just a way that it, I guess it's kind of like having a kid in a sense. Yeah. And it, it was a big eye opener, like thanks to my parents and anyone else's parents is before us. Like you get to see what it's like to give so much of yourself a way to to another cause yeah yeah 100 oh and i i can attest to that that yeah i went down the exact same path where it was building this building a business with scott and figuring out okay your relationship first of all definitely becomes secondary you as people become secondary and it becomes about building the business you go home you talk about the business you talk about your business problems and mm -hmm. and then oh, how did you guys navigate even the partnership element of it and not necessarily separating the relationship, but who did what? Because And I asked that because that's something that I struggled with is that we both wanted yep. to run, run the business, run the day-to-day. -day, and it took us a while to figure out where we were really best suited mm -hmm. in the company. And then for one of us, for me to kind of stand back and say, okay, you do, you're the strategy guy and and all run the people and then that yeah. ended up being because that was my kind of area of strength where I was like okay I can connect with the people and mm -hmm. connect with our team and help build our staff and mentor our staff and care for them whereas you're focused on growth and mm -hmm. maybe more sales sales oriented and strategy oriented yeah. is that did you guys go through anything similar or was it an easy delineation from the start yeah I mean I think for the first like three years like we were just we were in there five days a week working um, mm -hmm. on the tools kind of thing so that didn't come into play so much as afterwards like basically when COVID came around um, we kind of took a little bit of a step back like after the 
the period of closing for a little while. Um, John had some surgery and um, we had some really amazing staff who were had the potential to manage the place for us basically and it was either lose them because they didn't really want to just stay working on on the floor all the time or promote them and and take a step back so we kind of did a bit of a restructure then loosely um and like I took back some things that I delegated in the first couple of years like bookkeeping um or anything like that and started doing those myself so that we could then pay people to be in there to manage um and yeah we still kind of figuring out who does what exactly like we're both very hands-on when it comes to kind of like day to day but we definitely have like our strengths and our weaknesses um when it comes to that and I think yeah yeah I'd say organically it worked itself out in the sense that I'm very much like you I'm a people person um Mm -hmm. great at connecting with people and kind of being yeah I I, I, I reside more on that side and more of the marketing side or design, anything like that. A uh, bit of a team leader in a sense, mm-hmm. but that's only such a small part compared to what Lauren does in the basically overall running of everything, all the books, everything like that. There's, like, there's no way that I could run this business by myself. Mm-hmm. or without outsourcing a lot of that and paying like a lot of them like basically all the profits to mm-hmm. to someone to keep it running I'm uh mm-hmm. yeah I'm not allowed to be on the till in there they, they we work that out very fast because I just give everything away for free <laughs> but it's not the best for the bottom line in the end for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you and I don't belong on the sale, like no. the sales side of things. It's I'm like, so you're not going to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, here's this. And um, we're just going to take John over here. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, at the start, like we've really just, we've really learned as we've, as we've grown into it. And those first formidable years, it was just us in there and working physically. And we've only just been lucky enough to step away and get that, get that time to work out our roles mm-hmm. and what we play and what we bring to the table. Yeah, it's been a little bit on and off because we kind of stepped away a little bit and then last summer was kind of crazy, um, busy and then just staffing wise, like we had our whole team for the summer and then we had a few people dip out, just like random things like, oh, I've decided to move back to Ontario or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like we were kind of back in there for last summer and now we're out again so we'll see what this summer brings like we have all of our staff summer have an amazing team um but things happen so we'll see um where that takes us at the moment like we kind of we find that in these the off season that's when we're the busiest planning getting things ready hiring etc um and then we're kind of we're ready if they need us in there if not then we'll keep working and planning for the roastery and and stuff like that Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Um, On the staffing side, um, too, I had heard, because I know even through through COVID and Revelstoke in general, staffing is always a big issue. But, Mm -hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like as much as everybody has their staffing challenges as far as people leaving or disgruntled, whatever, um, you guys were one that I heard didn't have the same amount of problems, especially Mm -hmm. for a hospitality 
business that a lot of other businesses or restaurant like hospitality industry has and you can yeah again correct me if I'm wrong but I always I would have attributed that to the community that you've built the values that you have the leadership that you've given and how you've created a really cool culture Mm. what do you guys feel about that is that on or off or actually not at all we have like... oh yeah it's been pretty amazing actually like we kind of felt almost a little bit guilty last summer because we did have just like we had staff you know what I mean like I yeah. mean kitchens another story but some I think we were one of the only places in town that was able, able to operate seven days a week or like our regular hours Totally. So yeah. I'm not saying like we had some amazing stuff that made that happen, like Jamie, our head chef, and AD, our manager, and like everyone else underneath them. Some of them pulled really long weeks on the odd occasion to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we didn't have to close at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, John does all the hiring right. at the moment for front of house. And um, we also find it's timing, like you've really got to. Um, we, we find you get an influx in March, end of March, sort of April, when people are shifting up for the summer, um, they're maybe leaving their job at the resort and then looking for something more local, kind of like yeah. what we did. Yeah. Um, so you've really got to seize that opportunity while it's there because mm-hmm. the resumes do dry up come May, April, May. Um, so even the, So we tend to hire a little bit early and just like find hours for people through like spring cleaning or like whatever, getting people trained up early. Yeah. Um, and but that sets us up for a good summer yeah yeah I think it's like us not being too far out of being employees as well into yeah. them more employer side is really remembering how you like to be treated yeah. as a staff so like mm-hmm. yeah I just went and got a birthday gift for one of our like one of our staff our staff parties are really important to us whether it's be like take them more wakeboarding we've got a house another place down on uh, airport way that we that we take them as well and yeah it's just really like it's a hard thing people manage like not mm-hmm. management but just like yeah just treating them as you'd like to be treated and remembering like seeing the person not the employee is a big yeah. thing I think yeah, yeah. it's sure. so common and this is like I work with people on this as my job is leadership and keeping teams together and developing teams and that's it's not that complicated and often it comes down to treating people with respect (laughs) and (laughs) making them feel like a family and building building a community and yeah and value and valuing them Mm -hmm. yeah and I think we lay down the foundations for that but then it's really amazing to see them like take that upon themselves then like they have their own little like Facebook group chat and they're really active on there and they're inviting each other to things so they they all become really good friends and it's Mm -hmm. really beautiful to see but yeah it's not without first like making sure that we have like good morals and we we treat them with respect and then that that sort of carries through that's Mm. funny people get in their own little worlds and then (laughs) it is constant upkeep Mm. but if you take your foot off the pedal with that constant upkeep and checking in on how they're doing as a person, then they can get in their own mind about the way that a certain thing could be. And then the same thing with you, you might get in your mind and have a different uh, perception on what that person is when really you just need to sit down and have a conversation and 
if I find the more conversations you have and the more you see them as who they are and trying to get them, get to know them, like their genuine, like their interests, what their hobbies are, like what, what moves them as a person. Like it was a really hard thing for me to work out that dose wasn't ever a, a forever job for people. Mm-hmm. It's not a stepping stone either, but it can be utilized as an area to work out what you want to be and actually move in that direction rather than just like that's that's one of the things that in the hiring process they ask people what they want to be when they grow up Mm -hmm. and how we can help move them in that direction rather than just getting stagnant and working in a job where Mm -hmm. they go to get paid to pay rent to eat and just do all the basic living things where they could be excelling in life yeah and you guys have figured out so many things that it takes people 20 years to sort out (laughs) you really really have on the the community and definitely like everything you just said on the leadership side Mm -hmm. of things it's a lot of people think okay well I'll hire them and kind of like I'll check in on them and checking in is once or twice a year asking how are you doing oh okay great bye (laughs) but exactly you said it's no that's that's a consistent thing and mm-hmm. leadership is not it's it, it's just similar to taking care of your business or taking care of a child that's it it's it's every day it's all yeah. it's every week it's it's mm-hmm. it's always and also forever it's not like you do enough of it and then that bucket's full and mm-hmm. you can move on and do something else and don't need to think about it ever again or for six yeah. months it's like oh no that drains quickly <laughs> yeah in general with business as well you can never really like be like oh once we get to this point it's all going to be perfect and like we're just gonna live the dream <laughs> totally yeah no, like, like you just have to appreciate every little moment along the way because you never I don't think you ever get to that perfect point where there's there's never going to be no issues or no problems there's always something always mm-hmm. something. I just used to oh, yeah hold on to my day off I'm like oh but it's it's meant to be my day off <laughs> yeah. I don't want to work but like no you yeah. there's things that happen and it kind of it forces you to be a better person mm-hmm. to be that leader for your people as well. It's like, no, you can't be hungover because you've got to be there for your team if shit goes down or that's just an example, but like you, it, you've got to be there for them. It, it's kind of crazy having a purpose that's, that mm. I, I can't even put it into words. Yeah. And I think as well, like sometimes I just tell myself, I'm like, oh my God, it's just a cafe. Like how hard can it be? But I think if you think that way, like you kind of beat yourself up a little bit. Like, why, why aren't we doing better? Why, why is this so hard kind of thing? Like, if, like no matter the scale of your business, no matter what it is that you do, you just have to give yourself that, like that grace and just like, it is a hard job. Um, and yeah, it doesn't matter if it's just a cafe, like it is hard kind of thing t- to run. Um, Cause sometimes otherwise you can kind of beat yourself up and be like, am I, crazy like (laughs) not running perfectly by now Um, but that's just me I'm kind of like a more of a perfectionist and like things to be a certain way but just having letting go of that and just knowing that it's always a work in progress Mm -hmm. and you go through these phases too right similar to yeah again having a kid you're like well I made it through the baby phase so I should be fine it's like no now they're a toddler now they're a preteen now they're a teenager so every stage as you build and grow you're like oh now it's just new challenges 
and yeah, yeah that's true. new Just things and new yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think realizing that life is in flux and it's it's you just do what you can with what you have yeah. and you just move. You, you have to keep moving with it. Otherwise you'll get left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. I had a coach that told me, um, he's like, people think and they get really disillusioned that you're like climbing this mountain. And then when you get to the top of the mountain, all of a sudden everything's going to be great. Like in life, yeah. he's like, but what we don't sometimes always realize is that the mountain just gets steeper. The farther <laughs> along you go, he's like, it doesn't maybe for some people if you're 75 and retired and maybe then it plateaus maybe but he's like for the most part he's like it just gets steeper and steeper and that's where we can get caught up and like it should be easier by now but it's like that's not necessarily life yeah yeah especially not running a business (laughs) and it's kind of yeah it's a little bit like some people might see the business owner as oh they've got it it's all perception like it's the same as when you see someone with a bmw and you think they're happier and living a better life than you no they might be just broken up with their wife lost their kids like something like totally. we really we, we really like to envision things the way that we'd like to see them but um yeah the, I, as a business owner you do go through mm-hmm a lot of uncertain times, worrying times, stressful times and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it's what you see on the surface. I guess that ice, that generic iceberg business uh, poster you see in offices, I guess that's kind of like, it's a, it's a good depiction of mm-hmm. everything that you go through to still be standing at the end of it. And you only get to see that tiny little, mm-hmm. that tiny little bit of uh, success at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, oh, John and Lauren, that dose, they're just must be living it up. <laughs> yeah. I feel guilty. I've started like buying new clothes because they're not going to get trashed or not even just like, I feel guilty if I, if when I put something new on, I'm like, oh man, I hope people don't think I'm like <laughs> rolling in money like Scrooge McDuck or some shit. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> finally got to that stage where I can give myself back a little bit. And yeah. And back to the mountain. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Back to the mountain thing as well. I found like if you ever do get to, I'm not gonna say it's the top, but like a little ledge Mm -hmm. where you've achieved some stuff, then you also have this really empty feeling of what to do next, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you've faced. And you kind of like you start second guessing everything all over again. So I don't think anyone ever knows anything, and we're all just trying our best. That is, yeah, I could not agree more. Yeah. 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 And so let's touch on, and we can wrap up um, soon-ish. (laughs) You guys are good to keep going for a bit because, uh, yeah, I could chat with you guys for a whole other hour easy. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's talk about what's next for you. So we've got the roaster (laughs) happening. Is that going to be, can you let us in? Is that going to be on a new location? Is that going to be on site? Yeah, so we are going to be in the powerhouse industrial area. Yeah. Yeah, so um, a bigger space, about 2,000 square foot. Um, Yeah, so for that one, we need to be in like a light industrial area. So we've um, chosen powerhouse out that way, which is pretty exciting. So that will be kind of, um, we'll be roasting coffee towards the end of the year. 
um, yeah. but but there's a lot going on at the moment. Um, we're already building out. We're going to do a little bit of a rebrand or just like level up of our brand um, since we will be trying to um, tap into the domestic and international market online. Yeah. Um, so we've got a company back home in Melbourne working on that at the moment. Um, some people that we've always really looked up to in the design world and feel really lucky to be working with them on that. Um, and then we have one of our staff, Lemmy, is in Portland at the moment. He just took a three-day course on the machine that we'll be um, using, which is a Loring uh, roaster. Yep. Um, we went with that one because it's um, quite efficient. It recycles a lot of the energy that it uses. Um, yeah. I don't want to say it's environmentally friendly, <laughs> but it's a shit ton. Like everyone, yeah, everyone, I don't want to jump on sustainable or anything like that but mm. it's admissions and outputs is a quarter of a regular um drum roaster so we're excited it's cleaner to... so like as far as like like kind of roasters have a bit of that perception of being like smelly or anything like that if you're in that neighborhood there's sort of none of that mm. either which is great yeah mm -hmm. yeah oh my gosh guys this is so exciting i feel like yeah. i'm realizing that some of the things that i like to see the most are like epic leadership and then also these like really cool growth um yeah. like just growth plans and then and yeah. then just watching them be able to come to fruition which we will woof, by the yeah. end of the year because that's yeah that's a big one yeah um, no we're, so we're excited. Pretty yeah we've been working on this for a while now it's just been a matter of well we we kind of figured like we'll find the space first and then we'll we'll order the roaster um so we thought we had found our space so we ordered the roaster and then it was we were told that it would be 12 months in production to get it to us so that was last mm -hmm. October um and here we were thinking that it would take about two months to get to us mm -hmm. um and since then we've switched up our location again and everything like that but yeah so the end of this year is when it will all kind of take shape and um yeah we're pretty excited to yeah. to be roasting our own coffee and hopefully roasting coffee for some other places locally yeah. um and then yeah shipping all across Canada and hopefully overseas yeah and is yeah. there a dream of what the like the type of coffee or what it's going to be like is there anything and this is like coming from somebody who doesn't know nearly anything <laughs> about <laughs> coffee well, but what is yeah. it you guys are kind of creating here we want to make so there's filter decaf and espresso coffee gotcha. they, what we want to drink what we want to make is I think the specialty coffee world has done a pretty awful job of inviting everyone in to drink coffee. I believe there's coffee out there for everyone and the way that you want to drink it. Mm -hmm. So our offering, we want to put our, like our, our twist on it, but we definitely want to be uh, thoughtful of like our community to start with and the surrounding town so it's going to be a bit of a we'll have our three three base offerings which will be your everyday kind of coffee and then we'll have an upper tier which will be a little bit more funky fruity a little bit more for the curious or mm -hmm. to explore the world of coffee a little bit deeper mm -hmm. If you look back, like I don't like comparing it to beer whatsoever mm -hmm. or wine, but go back five years, mm -hmm. six years, not even that, where all the taps were just Molson, 
So I'd call that like your first wave cause. Like that's first wave of uh, of beer. Second mm-hmm. wave. Um, steamworks. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I'd almost put steamworks or something like that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like your third wave, you've got all your craft breweries and your microbreweries that have popped up. Yeah, so guys. Mm-hmm. yeah, beer taps have like they've diversified and people are yearning and wanting a different taste and it's just the same as coffee coffee is like Folgers first wave Nescafe gold kind of thing and you got Starbucks second wave third Mm. wave in the next 10 years you're going to see as many roasters as what you see microbreweries like mini roasters everywhere is what you'll see microbreweries and that's start to really like really take shape in Mm-hmm. in Canada at the moment there's a lot of great little micro roasties popping up everywhere so mm-hmm. yeah. I think it'll be on the same trajectory as that yeah we definitely want our um like our baseline range like John was saying which is our espresso blend a single origin filter and a decaf to be really approachable um and a great everyday coffee Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will have those rotating single origins um, that we've already sort of started sourcing. We we actually got our first sample roaster a couple of months ago. So we have that set up in our kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've been getting samples from like quite a few different importers um, from around the country and roasting on that every week and testing a bunch of coffees. So we're already sort of starting to formulate what our like curating like our menu essentially for the first 12 months coffee is very seasonal um it's just like any other fruit and so depending on the time of the year in whatever country that's when you have to buy their coffee so we're coming into the season now where we have to start thinking about what coffees we want to buy from ethiopia if we want to have them like on our menu next year because that's the season yeah exactly yeah so yeah it's essentially just like a fruit just like um yeah, just like anything else, they all have their different characteristics, flavors, profiles, and everything like that. So we're excited to showcase a little bit of that. But at the same time, we also really want to have that great everyday drinking coffee that will remain consistent and just, you know, the our, same year round. Yeah, a big philosophy behind this is we've bashed on about community as much, like whatever. We intended to start a cafe. And we didn't really mean to create this community out of it, but it was a it was a beautiful byproduct. Mm. And now what we really want to do is connect with that community. So like Dave Pearson has probably been drinking the same coffee ever since, you know? And he doesn't have to change. Seems like the guy, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> I thought he'd be a good example. He's one of the people who I'm taking into consideration for for the the end product of our coffee. So yeah our big philosophy about this is connecting with that community that we've created and it's something that we all do but it could be done with a little bit more intent and it's something to be enjoyed and explored and if we do it every day why don't we give it our best and do it well so that's that's within that I think a big big part of that will be we're going to start doing public cuppings so we'll just have a bunch of different coffees you come along and slurp it out of a little spoon and that's going to be public cuppings that we'll do weekly at dose and that will in turn give us a good direction on what what everyone feels mm-hmm. like and give us a good sense of direction to take with what our end offering will be as well yeah, yeah. 
Oh, mm-hmm. geez, genius. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so in what is, let's do our, some wrap up questions. And I'll do a little quick summary because that's, yeah, so much that we covered here, but just the themes and the talks about community, it's really interesting to see because what I've seen out of this conversation, even especially for you, John, is it's this built, this how important it is. And it's been to you, whether you realized it when you came to Revelstoke or not, but even just making the conscious choice that like, hey, we're not Whistler people. We're not Banff people. We're looking, A, we're looking for a community. Like even when you came yeah. here, which is what Revelstoke is. And I think a lot of people come here mm-hmm. for that. They realize that, oh, this is a, feels like a real town more so than not to say anything about Whistler or Banff, but yeah. more so, right? With more character, um, <laughs> a little bit less cookie cutter. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot less, yeah. yeah. We'll see where the community goes, but that's yeah. that's so awesome. And just- um, yeah, what we've learned from you guys on on leadership and what you've done building everything out—it's been so impressive and it's really exciting of where where you're taking this. I had no idea, and that is going to be really awesome for for the community to see because you've just yeah yeah. I kind of said it before, but I'll say it again. I just feel like you really nailed so many elements, and I think the mm-hmm. success of your business, the uh, where your staff is at, is also a result, very clear indicator of that too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so thank you guys for what you've brought to our community, <laughs> to this community and what you've created. Cause I think, uh, yeah, Revelstoke really appreciates it because it's very unique and really special. I really appreciate it. And thanks yeah. for letting us yeah, to be a part of, yeah, a part of the community as well. Yeah. Our hope with the roastery as well is to have another space that we can invite people into, um, mm-hmm. to educate and, and show them what we get up to behind the scenes. Um, And that'll be a little bit more of an intimate experience than those. So we'll have a tasting bar, much like going up to Begbie Brewery or anything like that. Um, And it'll be a great way to educate people in a much more chill sort of environment where people can sit down and have a good yarn about coffee, try different coffee. um, And also hopefully the goal there would be to have a bit of a um, a training area as well for up and coming staff or people who are curious about coffee or anything like that. And so we're hoping to be able to give back in that way. And, you know, other cafes, if they need somewhere to train their staff or anything like that, or they if they need someone to train their staff, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think the best thing is to, um, for the, the success of everyone is to, create a great product and for our whole town as a whole to be a great product in terms of coffee and hospitality. So, um, yeah. And that is something like we have a really vibrant uh, food and beverage scene. Mm-hmm. We really I do. Think, yeah. I think a little bit more of a tourism light could be shone on that because without that fuel, the Sammy Carlson's can't be doing his backflips and it's like the big pro bike riders and skiers and everyone that, are very attracted to this town they uh they we need them as much as they need us in a sense of this is something that we could all be working out together and a little bit more of a I, I i don't even know how to say it but i feel like uh we're lucky to have the food and beverage scene that we do in this town mm-hmm. and it could be celebrated a little bit more yeah, I, that's a really good point because I feel like we do, well, we really take it for granted. I think we have over 40 plus restaurants, which for a community yeah. of our size and population is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, 
such a variety. And yeah. yeah, I agree. I don't think it's celebrated enough. Mm-hmm. And not to say that in a bad light, mm-hmm. like it's really cool. But there's, there's, um, yeah, there's so many different cuisines represented in this town. And there's a lot of people that go to work day after day and like mm-hmm. they put their heart and soul into it. And it's just the same as a pro bike rider going out and putting all that time and effort into getting that triple backflip or whatever it may be. It's, yeah. It's the same kind of process that we're all going through. I guess it's just life that we're all going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think hopefully dedicated. Yeah. Pardon? I'm just going to say, as the town evolves, like I think, yeah, I think more events or more things that shine a spotlight on the scene or hospitality mm-hmm. um, will come about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you guys, so we ask um, a closing question to everybody. Um, which is what is if you could think of it the most average thing about you um, about, each one, about each one of you <laughs> who drink coffee yeah oh wow okay unprepared for this one um. Sorry. yeah <laughs> mine if you need a uh, example was that I'm afraid of the dark <laughs> oh. <laughs> you think I'm thinking you're thinking? Yeah. Most average thing. Oh my goodness. This is a really good one. This should be put into like my questions I ask the staff. Um, oh my goodness. Probably my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, average. Yeah. Below average. <laughs> Yeah, my most average thing. I'm really simple. Um, can I just steal yours and say I drink coffee? I don't. I'm. I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My most, no, it's not that. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then finally, how can people find you guys? How can people learn more about Dose? Um, I know you guys also have a Spotify channel, which I learned oh. in my research. That was exciting. Oh, cool. <laughs> so give us yeah. all of your uh, accounts or tags that anybody could go to. Totally. And find, find um, about those. So, yeah, you can follow us on uh, social media. We've got Instagram and Facebook, and that is at Dose Coffee Revelstoke. Um, our website, www.dosecoffee.ca. And um, if you ever want to hit us up, by email it's uh, lauren at dosecoffee.ca awesome okay yes. well thank you guys so much we Thanks will you. we'll sign off there and yeah we'll see you um, in the awesome. coffee shop <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it thank you. Thanks, you thanks guys bye ciao